Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast with me, Tally Rye. This is the podcast that helps you have a feel-good relationship with fitness, food, and body image. And today, we're having a bit of a different kind of chat, I think. This week, I am chatting to the co-founder of the brand Fat Lab at the Back, Lynn Bai. Lynn created an inclusive cycle wear company with her husband. They are doing so much work to push size inclusivity in the cycling world. And I think that's really exciting and really important. And I hope inspiring for other brands to do the same in other different kind of outdoor activities and gym wear and, and all the rest of it. But of course, before we get into this week's episode, it is time for Train Happy Trooper of the Week. This week's Train Happy Moment comes from one of my clients, actually, and I had no idea she was going to send this in. So when I say this is nothing to do with me, this is nothing to do with me, but I thought it was really lovely. My Train Happy Moment is actually a shout out to Tally for her intuitive movement one-to-one coaching. I got married last week and was able to enjoy the day so much more because of my work with Tally the past several months. Tally helped me learn new skills to reject diet culture and focus on what felt good and was realistic for me in the busy wedding planning season. I was able to enjoy being a bride without all the pressure to lose weight for my wedding or work out to look a certain way. Our wedding day was so magical because I was able to focus on my spouse, our love and the people who came to celebrate with us without obsessing over what I looked like or feeling guilty that I didn't diet or work out excessively leading up to the big day. I love this so much and I know which one of my clients this is and I'm so happy that she was able to just really lean in and enjoy her wedding day without that whole internal narrative and dialogue that can hold us back from really being present in such moments and so that is so lovely it was so lovely to receive so thank you so much for sending that in now obviously this is a train happy moment of course this would have been a lovely little moment on our series anti-diet bride so if you are a bride-to-be or you know someone that might be struggling with their body image or anything like that make sure you check out our monthly series we are doing one anti-diet bride episode a month chatting to different guests including my fiance our photographer chatting to all sorts of people so make sure you go check it out this month's episode is actually with our photographer and was very much about how to feel more comfortable and confident on your wedding day in front of the camera. And exactly as you said, being present and just celebrating your love is the most important bit, but make sure you check that episode out as well. Of course, if you would love to share your train happy moment on the podcast with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can WhatsApp us, get in touch via voice note or send us a text to 75 27537 And if you're an international listener, just put a plus four four in front of that and we would love to hear from you. Okay, enough from me. Let's get into this week's discussion with Lynn Bai. Lynn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about Fat Lad at the Back. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's really um, cool, actually, we get to have this conversation. Um, You have been one of the co-founders of the cycling brand, Fat Lad at the Back. It's, and your kind of mission is making cycling wear, well, most importantly, inclusive cycling wear. Um, But I'd love to know how you even got to this point, how the whole idea for the brand came about. I believe it was your husband's idea. Yeah, he has some great ideas, my husband. So he was just a, a fat guy who couldn't find any cycle wear that fit him, but he was loving cycling. Um, so he was wearing just a like a, a like a tech tee and a pair of shorts and cobbling together this outfit. And all the guys that he was cycling with were skinnier than him. And so they were all in proper cycle clothes. And then he was going on a trip with some mates and they were going to France. They were going to do some of the big, um, like the, the iconic French hills, mountains, sorry, not hills, they're mountains. <laughs> and, um, and they were laughing about getting a jersey made specifically for this event. And he kind of was like, oh, you know, my jersey is going to end up being the one with fat at the back on it, isn't it? And um, he suddenly had this moment and thought, hang on a minute, I am not the only person out there that looks like me. If I can't find cycle wear to fit, they can't find cycle wear to fit. And um, and then he rang me and he said, uh, we're going to set up a cycle wear brand. It's going to be called Fat Lad at the Back. Do you want to be in it? And I kind of went, oh, yeah, okay then. And that's literally what happened. I love that kind of tenacity of going, I will make this happen. Where do you even start? Have you got any history in making you know, active wear or anything like that or and even in sort of fashion or anything or was this just something you were like, we're going to give this a go? So I have worked in fashion, so that was helpful, but not in sportswear. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a cyclist, but I think that that's been really helpful because as a consequence of that, I've not really come at this whole thing from a cycling perspective. I've come at it from a really practical perspective of what do people on bikes need when they are stereotypically tiny people. So it's kind of enabled me to, yeah, to, to basically to rethink the whole shape of cycle wear because um, I had no preconceived ideas. And a lot of people that are in cycle wear, a lot of the brands have been spawned from semi-pro or professional cyclists who've then created a cycle wear brand. And so when they come to make larger clothes, they can't really empathize with people that, arm really tiny and so you know the uh, cycling jersey is usually sort of curved upwards because the body changes shape when it's on a bike and and the the back elongates and the stomach kind of like shrinks and as a consequence of that cycle cycling tops are usually quite high they sort of like have a, a high front well that's the last thing that a bloke who's got a bit of a belly wants to have and certainly it's the last thing that a woman who's curvy, who's had a couple of kids or whatever, it's the absolute last thing that they want to have. And so I just kind of like rethought the whole thing and um, yeah, and made clothes which fit, which you can cycle in as opposed to cycle wear. Um, it just it's, it's such a simple difference, but it made such a huge difference. This is so interesting because, you know, one thing we've, we've had many discussions about the lack of plus size activewear on this podcast we've talked about plus size fashion and just generally I think when we speak to people in larger bodies in plus sizes they the kind of feedback they're often saying is okay so you've given me these this pair of leggings say that you'd already made for like you say perhaps it was from a brand of someone who's already very naturally 
thin and lean and they've created a brand. And so they just keep sizing up based on that original fit that was that was fit around someone who was, you know, that very sort of lean muscular build. And you keep building up through the sizes. And as you go, you don't really make any adjustments. You just make it bigger. So you're not actually considering of how bodies and body shapes change as we get bigger. And I think you're right. One thing for sure is bigger tummies or width of arms or all of this stuff that a lot of brands fail to consider when they are increasing their size range, but that you've gone, okay, right from the off, we're gonna just take body shapes into consideration and make our clothes to work with that body shape. And as we always, I always like the phrase when I'm talking with people about, you know, reminding them to wear the things that fit them. Like the clothes are meant to fit you, not the other way around. And it sounds like if that's your ethos, like the clothes are meant to fit you and we're gonna work with your body rather than try and squeeze you into something that that's not your body shape at all. This is very refreshing to hear. It's so simple, but I still have the same conversation because the factories that we use, some of them just couldn't get their heads around what we were doing. And I'd be like, no, I know that the difference between the small, medium and large is one centimeter on the chest and one centimeter on the arm. But I don't want that. I want this instead. And they were like, oh, no, no, this isn't right. And I was like, honestly, trust me, this is right. This is what we're going to have. And you know what? If it's wrong, then that's my problem. It's not your problem. So it was really challenging. You know, when we first started, I kind of had this sort of idea that I'd really like to make everything in the UK and that I really wanted to. Originally, because we're from Yorkshire, I was like, let's make it in Yorkshire. And Gosh, it was so frustrating because nobody was interested in larger sizes at wow. all. No one wanted to make larger sizes and everyone just said there isn't a market for it, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's only 10 years ago, but it was really ridiculous that look at the people that are out there, look at the demand for it, look at the size of normal people now. And what you're saying is that if you're not a small, medium, large, extra large at a push, then there's no demand for it. It made no sense at all. So I think the factories have really had to sort of like get their head around it. But I hope that we've helped them in that process. And certainly after we launched, a lot of the other other cycling brands that were out there launched larger, larger sizes and also changed their kind of marketing sort of mix. And instead of cycling being a very elite, very sexy, very chiseled, very performance-driven kind of like um, all these performance-driven brands, instead of that, there was this sudden like, if you're a middle-aged man in Lycra, come to us, you know, we make gear for normal people. And that's always been our kind of, our, our message. Our message has just been, if you have a bike, you're a cyclist. Yes. You need some nice clothes. Here are some nice clothes. It's as simple as that. It doesn't need to be any more complex than that. Or it shouldn't be any more complex yeah, than that. It should be that simple. I'm fascinated more about this resistance from factories, actually, because I would think you going in there, essentially being the customer, saying, Can you make these things? We're going to pay you to make these things, that they would be like, Okay, sure, we'll do whatever you need us to do. But actually it comes down to the manufacturers saying, sorry, that we have our way of doing things and this isn't our way. I, I'm 
I think I'm kind of surprised that there's also that barrier to it as well. It's one of those things, isn't it? A lot of cycling brands, small brands particularly, will just go to a factory and get white labeled goods essentially. Mm. So they'll go and they'll, they, they, you can pick, you can have these zips and these collars and this fabric on the side and this and that and the other and everything else. But the templates that you start with are the factory templates. None of those templates worked for us, none of them at all. We managed to find a little factory in Italy who probably weren't that commercially aware, who said, yeah, all right, then we'll give it a go. And that's kind of like really how the how the bond started because somebody went, okay, we've got nothing to lose. We're not really busy. We kind of like to get into this space. Um, so we'll try and we'll see what happens. Um, and as I think... <sighs> I still have conversations with people who are in the cycling industry and I still have conversations with factories where I'm like, do you do bespoke sizing? And they're like, yeah, 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 we can do that. But then when you actually start having a conversation with them, this uh, this old attitude is just ingrained and they can't get their heads around the fact that just because it's a 58-inch chest, it doesn't mean the man in question is seven and a half foot tall. And also we do simple things like we don't use horizontal stripes because that's just not great on a lot of people. It just doesn't help you look, I guess, as confident and feel as confident as you could. So I've seen people on stands when we've done like the NEC cycle show and they come on to stand and they put one of our jerseys on and they're like, oh, wow, you know what? This actually looks really great. And I look at them and I think, yeah, it does. In fact, it looked better than the top that you were wearing, men and women, um, because we really thought about all the aspects of that garment and how it's going to make you feel and how it's going to make you look. And then obviously it needs to be technical and it needs to do its job and all of those things. But that kind of comes as an aside. That's just an assumption. The rest of it is really important to, to kind of like to, to make you feel good because if you don't feel good, you're not going to do it. Are you, you're just going to give up and, and think it's not for you. Totally. We want people to, feel comfortable in themselves and their bodies in what they're wearing in knowing that this is made for my shape with my shape in mind which is the most important part and so that they can actually just get on with doing the thing they want to do because at the end of the day we want people to be able to if cycling's their thing that they can go and just enjoy themselves and do it without feeling like they have to constantly monitor what they look like or that should be, you know, this kind of running monologue in their head of like, how are other people perceiving me? You know, da, 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 I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this. Like at the end of the day, we want people to just be able to get on with the cycling and have fun and be present and enjoy themselves. So my understanding is that originally you had gone on Dragon's Den to get funding yeah. for this. And I found it fascinating that obviously the brand is called Fat Lad at the Back, which um, we uh, you've spoken before about how you're trying to reclaim the word fat and that it's a descriptor and everything. But Dragon's Den turned you down for having the word fat in the brand name. But they didn't turn down Skinny Tan which is fascinating. No, I'd love to hear your experience of this. Okay, so we went to the Dragon's Den. Originally, the concept was let's just get on telly because it'd be great publicity. And then you get kind of like a bit embroiled in the whole game show aspect of it. And we genuinely went into Dragon's Den thinking 
well, everybody's just going to want to love, they're all going to love it because it's hilariously funny and it's just such a warm and friendly, positive vibe and it's a great brand. Um, it, it couldn't have been further from the truth, as, as you've said. They all had an issue with the F word and um, I think it's political correctness kind of just gone wrong where people are on the fence. They don't, if fat is the worst thing you could be, then yeah, I understand that having a brand name that's called Fat Lad at the Back would be offensive. But for me, it wasn't the worst thing you could be. It's just a thing. My dad was fat. My husband was fat. We've got a fat dog. It just didn't enter. It didn't enter our heads that they could be so offended by it. But Kelly Hopper was particularly horrified. And um, yeah, as you say, she she did go on to invest in Skinny Tan. And I think that's the anomaly, isn't it? That's where you're like, hang on a minute, skinny is good, but we don't even want to say the word fat because if we say that, oh gosh, we can't even speak that word. And it's just a massively sad indictment on society, I think, because that just further, that political correctness just further ostracizes a collection of people. And it makes them even less, you know, allowed than they were before. They're just not, you, oof, let's not even talk about it. Um, they thought it was too close to the bone. It's kind of interesting because I've watched it back. Um, they were like, oh, it's just too close to the bone. And we're like, yeah, completely dumbfounded. But I think that, I think people, lots of people after we very, very first launched before we even got to Dragon's Den kind of went, oof, gosh. And when they first started doing that, we were completely surprised because it had been Richard's nickname for, for a decade. That's what he was. And he, he's a confident guy and he just took it to be a, a term of endearment. It never entered his head for a second that people would be negative about him at all. So yeah, it was a really surprising, really, really surprising response. I mean, Deborah Meaden got it for sure. It wasn't for her. Um, but I think. The other dragons, just in varying degrees, were were sort of mortified by it. Um, I think it says more about your attitude to fat when you're offended by our brand name, and it it was a bit of a it was a bit of a fast world moment for us actually, where we we suddenly went, oh, hang on a minute, I'm really starting to get this now. Um, we've had some really ridiculous conversations with people over the course of a decade. We were, we went to a, a sort of a, a, like one of these kind of schmoozy, um, meet, meet people from the industry kind of events in Harrogate, um, a few years ago. And there was the guy who I think he was the UK MD of Parkrun. And, um, we were trying at the time to create these small regional local rides where, if you wanted to get on a bike and you were a bit put off by going to the local um, cycling club because they were a bit elite and you weren't good enough, you could hook up with a bunch of mates or fat lads and lasses and you'd be able to go out. And the idea was that they'd have a no drop policy and it didn't matter whether you turned up on a jalopy or whether you turned up on a, you know, a, a 10 grand bike, everybody would be included. And of course, Parkrun has been incredibly successful and it's got loads and loads of people. And so we went over to this guy and we were like, oh, we're really interested in how, you know, you've managed to do Parkrun and how we might be able to use that for us because we've got a lot of people that really want to connect with each other in our community. And he was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And he said, what's, you, what's your brand called? And we said, Fat Lad at the Back. And he said, 
think you need a brand change. I think you need a, a, a brand name change. And we were like, wow, you have so missed it. And it really surprised me. I was like, wow, you are from an all-inclusive community. The whole, the very ethos of what you do is about inclusivity, but you're horrified by our brand name. Makes no sense. Fatphobic is what we say, yeah. It's one of those, I think it's one of those names where, and you know, there's so much work done in the kind of so many sort of body liberation spaces of reclaiming the word fat because it has been weaponized against people for so long and it has so much it's such a loaded word isn't it but it's loaded because of the biases that come with it and I kind of love that as a brand you've gone this is a very neutral word for us this is just you know, this this is actually quite neutral. And what we're doing is trying to help people who have long felt unseen and kind of not, don't see themselves within the cycling community specifically. We're just trying to show that everyone can do this and we want everyone to be a part of it. And so I understand people's reaction to it, because of society's anti-fatness we are so ingrained that fat is bad and it's the worst thing you could be and like you say if you are doing the work and like a lot of people with in our podcast podcast are like this audience are we're kind of doing a lot of work to challenge those assumptions and stereotypes that we have and we're also trying to think that yeah, fat is a descriptive word, thin is a descriptive word, like you say, skinny tan as a brand um, is in theory a descriptive word, but also <laughs> comes with, I personally feel like is problematic, but that's my own personal opinion. Um, but I think I, I see what you are trying to do and you're right, I think people are bringing their own biases into it immediately straight off the bat without kind of hearing out your message and ethos and and what you guys are about you know tally when we first started we got hate mail really because people were horrified at the name we don't get hate mail anymore but we got a lot of hate mail to begin with um it, it was bizarre how dare you i can't believe what you've done you're so discriminating against people it's just disgraceful what an awful name my friends asked me for some of your kit but i would be damned if i'll ever buy her something with that offensive name on the back i mean unbelievable and i'm like look at our community look at who we are look at what we are achieving look at the people who we are connecting um, and look how we're making a positive difference to their lives. And you still have that attitude? Wow. I'd have thought you'd be falling over yourself to be part of something which is having such a positive effect on people's lives as opposed to berating us because you have an issue with the word fat. And it's just such a strange anomaly. And like I say, people hide behind political correctness all the time and pretend that uh, they are, um, they're supporting fat people when actually couldn't be further from the truth. And I want to call that out. I mean, I really do. I'm so fed up of that rhetoric. I'm just like, oh, please get over yourself. That's just ridiculous. Stop hiding. Just come out and say it. If you're fat, it's just come out and say, 
actually, yes, I'm fat phobic, because that would help us all massively. And then we'd be able to start having a conversation. We'd be able to start building. But whilst ever you're hiding behind political correctness, you're not actually doing anybody any good, are you? We're super passionate on this podcast about helping people just find different ways to move and, um, you know, feel like they're seen and represented, they have the right clothes, they feel dressed for, you know. Um, and I think, especially within cycling, and I know you do make stuff for um, people doing triathlons and things like that, you go to those sorts of events and you really see just such a cross-section of society. I really feel like you kind of see a bit of everyone at those places. Um, and I think you'd see even more people if they felt that they were kind of being represented and shown and I think it's a reclamation isn't it of you know what may have been weaponized against people in the past and you know I think if you're in a space where you're like I don't think fat is the worst thing you can be and also a lot of people I think are now in the position where they go like well I am fat that's objective um I'm saying that objectively then then you know, this brand is for them. I also recognize there will be people who are not there yet. And for them, it's still a very loaded term. And it's, it is, um, I suppose a tricky one, but you know, that's, I think that's an invitation for introspection as to like, why is that such a load? You know, why is that such a loaded term? And like, what does that mean to me currently? And, and why does that hold such negative connotation? I think rather than to completely dismiss completely what you your guys are, are planning and and doing and building um because like I said I, I love the community aspect of what you're doing um there seems such great community there and that's a really integral part to your brand yeah it is a massively integral part to the brand to be honest with you we didn't anticipate we so my husband comes from an IT background and he's been in that kind of community space for sort of 20 odd years and so he was like let's build a community-based brand and I was like oh okay then so I kind of just went out onto Facebook really and started and it was amazing how quickly people connected even with the men's brand so straight away we launched Fat Lad before we launched probably about six months before we launched Fat Lass and um, people were connecting with it because they were saying straight away I saw that and I just thought that's me you're talking to me and it was the first time that anybody had actually spoken to them. And I think that that was the most important thing. I am a fat cyclist and you are now talking to me. I don't need to make apologies to people. It's on my shirt. It doesn't matter what you say to me. I'm already, I own it. It's mine. And that was kind of like the big difference with it. It was that turning point for people. And then the girls were screaming for the, what about us? What about us? But the community is really solid and it's really strong and they're very passionate about the brand but also helping each other and kind of saying to people who are thinking about cycling who are a little bit nervous or whatever it's fine come on it's all right we'll, we've got you we know we know what to do we like if you burst your tires or or your bike breaks here or something because you weigh 23 stone it's all right because somebody on the community will know what to do and that is just so nice it's so important that we see people who are larger doing activities because mm. they are fit these people are really fit fat people and it's really important that we all change that rhetoric and we all like re-examine what we think being fit is and what we think being fat is. And when we start to take that to pieces and we actually start to dissect that, that is the part where actually being fat will be less shameful 
because this preconceived idea that if you're fat is because you eat too much and do nothing, this is just like, it's so outdated and it's so old fashioned. And we have so many people in our community who do amazing things and they are fat and they can. And I think that we need to show more of that. We need those people to be there. We use them in our, we, we try all the time. We use real customers in our lifestyle shots and we make a real big thing about the achievements that the community does because it's really important that other people will see that. But also it's really important that people who are fat phobic, who have that, who are holding on to that outdated idea, it's really important that they see it because it's the only way they're going to change their opinion. And when they change their opinion, that stops them being able to weaponize the whole fat thing. It's a sort of circle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And we, we have to keep, we have to break that circle in lots and lots of places so that we can have that change. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You sent over some stats that you had put forward to, I think about 15,000 people in your community, asking them about things to do with their body image, with movement, activity, with activewear. And I found it really fascinating. So a couple of them are 86% of people said that larger people were not adequately represented online and in the media. Because I think when we think of large people depicted in the media, especially like we think of all the horrible tropes around, you know, think of all those horrible like sidekicks, silly sidekick, or unlovable, unlucky in love and la, 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 all this if we think of like traditional stuff. But you also think what they kind of call the headless fatty, which is like this, you know, the stock image of someone in a larger body, which is really set out, I think, to just shame and um, demean those body shapes. And so it kind of, we see that on the news, I feel like fairly regularly to the point where that is what's getting in our psyche. That is why people have a problem with the word fat, because we have learned that it has this negative connotation. And always, you know, if it's being discussed, it's being discussed in this negative way. And I think that's why we do it. But I love that you're including your community and showing that all different body shapes and sizes move and can move and try different things. And, you know, something we're super passionate about, you know, the artwork of this podcast and it's behind me (laughs) is so deliberately about showing different body shapes and sizes and, you know, people from different backgrounds, ethnicities, abilities, doing different stuff because there should be, I hope, 
something for everyone out there. Um, we need more brands to get on board to actually bring the equipment and the proper clothing for people to do these things. But it feels like you're leading the way on that one. You know, it's really bizarre, isn't it? That a tiny brand from Yorkshire, because we're still a small business, but it is really bizarre that we've been doing this for a decade. And I am cynical of some of the larger brands, the big, big brands who've got into the fat pound. And I think, great, great, you know, get there, start, start making things that fit people, start using plus size models, maybe even start using real people because actually the plus size models are great, but, but, but that's not really the shape of the vast majority of women, mm. um, for example, or even men, to be honest. I think it's great, but a little bit of me is a little bit cynical about it because if you're just doing it for the money, it's like, why didn't you do this before? Mm -hmm. What was it about, you know, why did this suddenly become a thing some four years ago? You just like, did you trip up and just go, oh my God, look, loads of people can't fit into our clothes. Um, I just think it's a little bit, yeah, I am cynical and I think it's a little bit of a, um, a bit of a sham, um, some of it, but, um, it, it is what it is, isn't it? And I think if there's demand for it, then at least at least something positive is coming out of it. But large brands have communities, but the community seems to be about them and not about the people. Mm. And that's not what a community is. Your community of, I don't know, 100 people or 10,000 people or 100,000 people or 2 million people or whatever it is, that community isn't actually about you. It's got nothing to do with you, really. That community is about them and you are there for them. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons why our community is so invested and it's so loyal and it's so strong and it's so supportive and positive. Because, yeah, I think authenticity is really important now. And there's a lot of fake out there. So more of these stats, it says 76% of people said that they had seen language or images which made fun of larger people. She spoke about 72% of people said that they rarely or never see positive images of larger sized people doing exercise. I think that is huge. That is so huge. And it's such a shame because, you know, like we've said, if you don't see people, if the only thing you see is the skinny, what we anticipate super fit model, a skinny, super fit person, you're just going to assume that it's absolutely not for you. Mm -hmm. It's it's so important that we that we see more people, normal people, in these environments in order for you know children are growing up, aren't they, with such a a, a, a distorted view of life, a distorted view of fitness, and a distorted view of health, and people are just failing companies are failing to take that seriously they're failing to think about the repercussions of their actions i just that really it just sits very badly with me that we're all in a position where we can do something we can make a change we can we can make positive inroads into society whatever it happens to be as a business owner with a community you can do something you can create a better world but you decided not to because actually you were just thinking about the money Mm. you know I just think it's poor I think it's really really bad and um I think we need to have a lot more social responsibility people need to companies need to be more socially responsible and think about what it is that they're actually saying and not just about the next 12 months or the next two years but actually think about what the long-term effects of what you're saying and what you're doing are going to be on society it's not about right now it's about 
the longer term mm. view. So, um, yeah, it's a shame. We need to see more big people. We need to see um, a, a real dad. You know, for us, big people is one thing, but there's a we're overwhelmed with um, white middle-aged bald men with beards who want to model for us yeah. like, there's a thousand of them but we really struggle to get people of color and it's a real challenge for us and they're so underrepresented in that sort of like that second sphere yeah. it's such a shame because if you don't see people that look like you doing this you're not going to do it and you're going to think it's not for you and we know that cycling and being outside in all sports has such positive effect on people's lives um but it's a real shame i would love to hear from people that are not white middle-aged bald men with beards <laughs> who want to be in our lifestyle shots i mean i just really love to love to and we go out in the community we're like would you like to be a model i agree i think there's a conversation around size inclusivity and then there's a conversation around gender around race around um ability there's so many aspects mm. to it of being inclusive right and you know some people i think do it brilliantly are like the this girl can campaign i always yeah. shout them out um the us brand girlfriend collective i don't know if you're aware of them but i think they're fantastic yeah. and and like you say often it's not a case of even making a big song and dance about it it's just doing it isn't it it's just going like well this is just the brand this is how it is you know this isn't this one big campaign we're doing this is this is constantly we're constantly just showing different bodies and you know you I feel like you always tell very quickly by even just going on an Instagram page and you just scroll through and you just go okay what kind of bodies are they showing on this page I mean it's such a side note but I want to buy a wedding dress soon and I go through wedding dress boutiques and I go like do I want to go there by based on like do you have people of different sizes shown on your page because if you don't that kind of is a red flag to me that you don't really cater for people with curves and in plus sizes and I well, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable going there you know just because in principle yeah absolutely you would step foot over the door would you I mean I'm only I'm I'm a UK 14 I'm I think below the average at this point um, size in the UK. Um, but at the same time, I'm thinking if you're only showing a very a small, small size, like it's just not going to be for me, you know? And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same because as the phrase goes, you have to see more to be more. And I love that phrase. And I think, you know, you have to know that I could, I could go to that shop I could feel catered for I could feel like they know how to dress my body in whatever that might be in whether it's bridal fashion or activewear like you always want to feel like they okay you know we're not just dressing for a certain body type and you feel kind of left out in that conversation you know years ago I don't know if this is still the same thing but a lot of wedding dress shops just keep sort of like one size yeah thing and I can remember going with a friend of mine who was curvy. She was probably a, yeah, maybe a size 14, maybe a size 16, and nothing fit her at all. So what she had to do was put the dress on the front of her and then imagine what the dress would look like if it actually fit yeah. her. And that's how you had to shop for a wedding dress like 30 years ago, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. I hope it's not the same now. Well, I I've suspect it may be. <laughs> I've had one experience where I had to squeeze myself into the dresses, but I could get them on and they were kind of zipped up. 
I just about got them on. So I, I wouldn't say it was like, wow, these were all made to fit me. But I was pleasantly surprised that that happened. I was, I kind of went in there going, I'm probably gonna not be able to fit into some of these dresses um, with that mentality, but I could just about squeeze them on. If you were any bigger than me, that wouldn't have happened. Um, but, I, but I actually believe they, they did have multiple sample sizes. So I might've just been trying on that sample size. But I, so I do think that it is becoming more standard in there to have more sample sizes, which is really positive because, and it's something I'm calling ahead of shops and, and making appointments at the moment being like, do you have my size? I don't want to turn up to think I'm just going to be made to feel miserable because, you know, I feel just that my body's completely not catered for here. And I have to imagine a dress, you know, I want to try it on and I don't want to feel really disappointed when I get there. Yeah. I mean, you know, made to feed, feel miserable. It's just that's such a poignant statement, isn't mm. it? That you're persistently made to feel miserable mm. about the body that you live in. I mean, like what kind of world is that where yeah. it's constantly reinforced that you should be, you, you are in purgatory because you don't fit our mm. thin, young, whatever it is, ideal. Just looking at these stats again, 46% of people said that seeing only thin sportswear models made them feel self-conscious in sports clothes. And that 37% of people said that seeing thin sportswear models made them feel negative about their own body shape. And this is why we need to see, like we said, all body shapes. Like let's just show all fit models, you know. And I am noticing it more and more. I've, you know, through looking at wedding dresses, also going on holiday soon. So I was just looking for some new swimwear and things. Just scrolling through generally, I am seeing a lot, I am seeing different body shapes and more, um, and different body sizes. And to me, that is such a green flag for when I mm. look at a company because I'm like, oh, you've, you've considered that and you've put people in that look like the average person. And, you know, you're, there is an effort here to, to do that. And I think that's so important. So I do feel like, I'm sure you can notice there is a progression from the 10 years you've been in the industry, but as you would probably agree, there's still more to go. It's a long way to go, isn't there still? It's so slow. It just seems so. I think some brands are really scared of ostracizing their existing market. And they're like, oh gosh, if you, know, if you build an elite brand, then with that elite brand usually comes your chiseled guinea model mm-hmm. kind of thing and they're worried that if they try to go to a more representative uh, model or more representative people in their in their lifestyle shots that they'll ostracize their existing market like it will be less aspirational in some way yeah exactly that yeah yeah but that is, is because who would want to be fat tally it's bizarre well, isn't it so instead we all need to aspire for this unachievable thing that is just not it's not happening we all need to aspire to, to, we all want to try to be 16 year old versions of ourselves mm. you know, skinny youthful kind of wrinkle free individuals that don't exist yeah and if you're anything other than that then you're other you obviously know the cycling industry better than I do but you're right I suppose when we think of cycling and road cycling specifically we all think of the Tour de France and we think of that stuff and we do think of you know that Lance Armstrong kind of long lean cyclists and that's what you picture and you're right a lot of those sort of more technical brands are born out of ex-professionals or and you're right they kind of know one way and one approach but 
the the average person has not done the Tour de France and isn't cycling for like Team Sky or whatever it is. That's my limited knowledge of cycle, road cycling. Um, I've, I've given you everything I've got there. Um, and so to think that the aspiration is always to be elite, to be an athlete, to be, you know, to be like one of the best in the world. Like, okay, yeah, I get it to a degree. But also, like you say, I think it's just missing a lot of that sort of everyday person. And if you don't aspire to be like that, then you certainly aren't going to feel like, oh, there's a space for me here. Like, you know, I I like kind of casually cycling, but I don't care to be, you know, this sort of elite style, hardcore, intense cyclist that you know does all these things like I just want to kind of hang out with my mates go for a cycle on a Sunday morning and go get breakfast and you know whatever else that's that's what it is and I I I think that you're right I think that's short-sighted going oh we don't want to not be aspirational I think that is short-sighted I think seeing like what do our customers actually do when they're wearing this stuff that's that's what's exactly you know that's what it's about yeah it is, isn't it? It is representing people in a real life situation. But if everything has to be aspirational, for a lot of people, they're just going to be like, hang on a minute. That's so far away from me. I can never get there. Yeah. So I'm never going to try. I can get close to. What's the point of trying? Yeah. I'm, so, I'm a million miles away from that. I, do, I need something that's closer to me. So something that is potentially within my reach. Not something which, you know, I mean, I have no aspirations to be a gold winning medal cyclist person. I, it's just, it's not a thing, you know, but uh, could I cycle 50 miles? Ooh, you know what? Yeah, maybe I could. Maybe I could do that. I'm not really a cyclist, but yeah, I could, I can do that. And that's the reality, isn't it? Because that's mm. what we should be saying to people. You know, when we, we have got, so uh, after we, um, after we spoke to the guy from Parkrun, we did actually successfully set up lots of these little groups across the country. So we've got about 70 that are active at the moment. We have, they kind of come and they go because we're reliant upon local people, basically flab community people who like, I quite like to set up a little group in my area. Some of them are incredibly successful and they have kind of like 50, 100, three, 400 members. Others of them really struggle, depends where the area is, etc. And how much time and commitment, because it is a big commitment to give that time on a regular weekly basis to take people out on a bike. Um, but it is it's we've we've managed to achieve that and we do that we get people to come along to those rides because we say to them we're going to cycle for an hour and a half we're not going to or we're going to cycle for an hour to a cake shop we don't say we're going to cycle for 40 miles because or 20 miles because that just horrifies people you're like 20 miles i can't cycle 20 miles can you cycle for an hour and a half yes i can do that mm. and so it's about making things putting things in a way where people feel that they can do it that it is achievable yeah i mean i'm so big on getting people to see that there's a type of movement for them and you're right meeting people where they're at going in a a very social you know beginner friendly level is really important and necessary because it can feel too overwhelming to feel like you're jumping in at the deep end starting something but to know that you can do something and it's social and it's fun is a great way to you know something I talk about a lot with people I work with when we're talking about their relationship with exercise is let's not try and start you on like a super hard thing that feels very overwhelming and intense. Let's find stuff that's in your comfort zone and find ways in which it can feel more, it can feel 
easier to engage with that movement and often making it social, going with a friend, you know, if it's cycling to ha- cycling to go and have a coffee and a cake and then cycling home, like making almost the focus of the day, going out for the coffee and the cake and the cycling is kind of how you get there. Rather than putting too much emphasis and stress on like, right, I'm gonna do this hardcore training now, I'm gonna cycle this and this distance and this time, you don't make it about that. You make it about the friendship, the meeting up, the going to do something or going to see something cool or going to eat some nice food. Like that's the focus. And then it takes the pressure off it. And then slowly you get to build up your confidence and your consistency. And you're you're right. That's where you start to see those improvements in physical well-being, mental well-being. Um, And, you know, I I, I only see positives from that for sure. Um, Lynn, this has been so fantastic to chat with you. Before we go, I have to ask you, do you personally, you might not be a cyclist yourself, but have you recently had a train happy moment? This could be a moment of listening to your body, of finding some movement that you enjoy, having fun with it. Like, has there been a moment for you? Um, You know, I am a big yoga lover. I absolutely, I'm into, seriously into yoga. Um, and so it's a, it's a moment every, every time I'm in yoga, it's my, it's kind of like my moment. It's my thing. It's my gift to myself. Mm. And I think it's important that we have, that we give gifts to ourselves, yes. isn't it? That we, that we take that time and cut ourselves some slack and are kind to ourselves. And yeah, it's like a little present to me. So yeah, it's a, and it's a, it's something that I do all the time. It's a way of life. I think it's probably going to become. Now you're going to have to go into the yoga space. I mean, Oh gosh, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Making yoga clothes, crikey. <laughs> I could just take the pads out of our our other trousers, couldn't I? And I could yeah. be there already, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I also love that you called it giving a gift to yourself. I think that's a beautiful yeah. way to phrase it and a lovely way to think about it and a really, really positive way to think about it because movement is a gift to yourself. It is your self-care time. It, it should be that. And I'm so glad it's that for you. Yeah. So Lynn, thank you so much for coming to chatting to us. It has been wonderful. We've learned so much about you, about the brand. Where can people find you? Where can they learn more about Fat Lad at the Back? Fatladattheback.com is where they can find out about us. They can go into Facebook um, and look for us or they can go onto Instagram and look for us. And um, if you go onto our social media, you will just be inundated with lots of happy, smiley people having great times on bikes who probably look like you that's what we are this has been wonderful thank you so much lynn i wish you all the best and you know keep trailblazing in the cycling space we love to see it you too tally keep trailblazing as well but that is it for this week's episode of the train happy podcast thank you so much for listening i hope you took something away from this episode and if you did please do let us know on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. And we do want to hear from you. We want your questions. We want to hear your train happy moments. And we'd love to feature you as Train Happy Trooper of the Week. So remember, you can get in touch with us via our WhatsApp. It is 07599927537. And whatever podcast platform you're choosing to listen to us on, please rate and review it really helps the show and it really helps spread the train a happy message and that is it for this week i'll be back with a brand new episode for you next monday see you then (laughs) 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.